0: You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome into this film Friday episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week. Covering your New Orleans Saints, this football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Big news for the Philadelphia Eagles as they add Jason Peters to season-ending injury reserve what it means for the New Orleans Saints as one of their top pass rushers looks on pace to return to the field on Sunday. Then we'll take a deep dive into the Eagles' defense and all 15 throws by Jalen Hurts, where the Saints can keep the rookie off balance, and what the most important element will be for the Saints' defense. And then we'll wrap up with our three keys to victory, including why Alvin Kamara may be in for a huge day in the city of brotherly love. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at and your Tuesday co-host of the national Locked On NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. The New Orleans Saints will be facing the Philadelphia Eagles' 12th offensive line combination of the season on Sunday, with Jason Peters being moved to season-ending injury reserve. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. This news broke early Friday morning that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to be moving the former All-Pro nine-time Pro Bowler to season-ending injury reserve. And if you check out Bleeding Green Nation, there's some concerns that this may be the end of his career. Jason Peters, of course, has been battling injuries over the last few years. And now with this news that he's being moved to injured reserve, the Philadelphia Eagles are making another humongous change on their offensive line, getting ready to go up against a very talented Saints front four and rotating defensive line. As we've talked about here on the show before, this defensive line showing up to 11, between 11 to 25, as many as 31 different positions played, 25 different player combinations. This is going to be a big test for the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line as they undergo now their 12th starting offensive unit along the front five. In 13 games. That is a massive amount of change. And now this is going to mean Nate Herbig jumping in to the starting right guard role. So, this is big news for the New Orleans Saints as they are going to be returning. It looks like he's practiced in full for the last two games, but they're going to be returning Marcus Davenport, who does a lot of attacking on the interior with stunts, along with Sheldon Rankins, who just returned one of the Saints' best penetrating three techs on their roster, who just returned last week. against the Atlanta Falcons now. The two of them matching up with one another and having an opportunity along with Cam Jordan, David Onyemata, who's got several sacks in the season, and of course, Trey Hendrickson, who's got 10 and a half sacks on the season. This defensive line is in a position now to where they're going to be able to take advantage of a very weak offensive line in Philadelphia. And that's big, 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 along with having a rookie quarterback getting his first career start against the New Orleans Saints in this game as well. So a lot to keep an eye out on, particularly with the way that the offensive line is being shuffled around in the same game that the Saints look to be getting at full strength on the defensive line. So huge matchup to watch there. Some other quick injury updates as well. Keeping on the defensive line, Saints defensive tackle David Onyemata did not participate in practice on Thursday, but it was due to illness, not an injury. So hopefully we'll see him back on Friday's report. If not, still good news for the Saints along the defensive line because Malcolm Brown, another one of their big bodied one techs and nose tackles, uh, he ended up being elevated to limited from did not practice from Wednesday to Thursday. So that's good news for the Saints. Shy Tuttle, their defensive tackle, remains limited. So all four of those players, including Marcus Davenport, who we mentioned earlier, are key guys to watch going into getting game status after Friday's injury report based upon this news around the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, this all benefits. The Taysom Hill experiment and getting an idea of what Taysom Hill looks like, because if a defensive line can go out there and keep the game manageable by getting pressure on Jalen Hurts, confusing him, giving him trouble to where he's throwing the ball away, making poor decisions, that's all going to help. The field position game, the hidden yardage game, all of those ancillary pieces that lead to success for an NFL offense could get to clicking with, again, the Philadelphia Eagles having to shuffle around their offensive line due to this latest injury. Uh, Ty Montgomery remains full, Marcus Davenport remained full, pretty much everybody else that was limited, Deontay Harris, Ryan Ramchek, Janoris Jenkins, Michael Thomas, they all remained, uh, remained limited as well. Patrick Robinson, though, still did not participate in practice, but it looks like Janoris Jenkins may be on his way back. Looking over at the Philadelphia Eagles side, we sort of hit the most important parts, but I do want to point out two players in particular that are now listed on the injury report and have changes of status. Fletcher Cox, who did not participate with a neck injury on Wednesday, was elevated to full participation on Thursday. That's good news for the Eagles, bad news for the Saints offensive line. However, Derek Barnett, one of their very good uh, edge rushers, ended up being limited on Thursday after not being listed on the report on Wednesday with a new pelvis injury. So something to also keep an eye out on on Friday's report, as that is a very talented front four that could give Taysom Hill a lot of trouble. So big news there as this game looks like it's going to be one in the trenches between these two teams dealing with some unfamiliar quarterback situations, although the Saints are obviously much more comfortable in theirs. But we're going to flip the script first, take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles in the next segment, breaking down what we saw from them on film over the last couple of weeks, as well as Jalen Hurts' 15 throws against the Packers, where was he comfortable, where the Saints will be able to take advantage and how they should attack. And we've got that coming up for you here on Locked On Saints, your team every day. All right, family, we are here, Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Keep you up to date with everything going on with your New Orleans Saints. Usually here, I like to tease a little bit about what's coming up next week. But first, what I really want to do for just a sec, break that mold just a little bit, uh, to thank all of you for all of the reviews and everything that you've left over on iTunes. Uh, 232 reviews. I think when I took this show over, we had like 90. We're in double digits. So y'all have been incredible. We just got a bunch of five-star reviews that I wanted to make sure that I shouted out. Uh, LSU equals football school, Tulane 17. Norberto, my boy, appreciate you for coming through. Kev from Frisco came through with a five-star as well. Locked on Saints is awesome. You are awesome, my friend. And this is my favorite one just because the name of the person who left the review and the review are stark contrast. Uh, Best Saints Podcast, title of the review. It's pointed by Disappointed1134, but he was not disappointed with the show or they were not disappointed with the show. Uh, Love this podcast. Look forward to each new episode. Ross does an excellent job. I appreciate you. You do an excellent job listening. So I appreciate y'all very much for all of that. All that support is super helpful, right? Reviews and everything. It helps other Saints fans see it. It lets everybody know that the show is worth listening to, all that. So if you haven't left a review yet, please go ahead and drop that five star. I appreciate it. And for those of you that are already doing it, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Especially those of you who are here in the show for the first time. So let me give you a reason to leave that five-star review, because we're going to jump into our Film Friday here. So five stars for Film Friday. Here's what we're going to do. I watched all 15 of Jalen Hurts. Well, really what I did was I watched all of his dropbacks, but I charted all 15 of his passes against coverage. So we're going to look at what the Saints do and how Jalen Hurts performed against that against a pretty good passing secondary or pretty good passing defense rather with the Green Bay Packers, you know, their run defense is atrocious in Green Bay, but their passing defense is pretty darn good. They've got really, really talented uh, back seven there in terms of the linebackers and secondary that can cover. So let's start with what the Saints do. So they have played 54% of their defensive looks, I- excluding things like goal line and, and things that are a little bit specific. But in ter- in general, in terms of what they have played, 54% of their looks have been single high looks, either cover one or cover Three. Now, when we look at Jalen Hurts against cover one or cover three coverage against the uh, Green Bay Packers in this last game against cover one, he was two for seven for 21 yards, one interception and one sack. And then against cover three, he was actually two of three for 54 yards and one sack as well. The touchdown that he threw came against cover four is a little bit prevent-y because it was fourth and eighteen. So that is a really specific situation that Green Bay just happened to get taken advantage of, get taken advantage of in as one of the uh, the 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 rightmost offensive rightmost zone didn't drop far back enough, getting, didn't get enough depth on the drop back there. But again, against cover one, two of seven for 21 yards, one interception and a sack, and then two of three for 54 yards and one sack against cover three. So a couple of big plays for him. I mean, he had a 34-yard completion and a 20-yard completion against cover three, but that was... They were those two. And then he also got sacked for minus two yards. So let's take a look at the way that this all breaks down. I want to see he didn't run against cover three at all, but he did run three times against cover one against man coverage. And this makes sense, right? He had a 10 yard run, a 13 yard run and a two yard run. You're going to get the most success out of a quarterback scramble when the defense is playing man coverage because everyone's back is turned towards you, right? So you have to have a spy, you have to keep contain, all of that is very important. So looking a little bit more specifically at what the Packers did was that they inverted a lot of their coverages. What I mean by that is that the deep safety pre-snap would often end up crashing down into the box and playing in the hole, as opposed while either the two outside corners would invert and take the two deep zones, or they would sort of buzz their coverage to where that d- single high safety would end up crashing down and covering the box while the box defender would zip up and then take care of the deep safety assignment. So they would do a lot of switching in terms of what the look looked like, because they would show some cover two looks and then turn them into single high looks, or they would show who the single high safety was and then reverse who actually ended up being the single high safety. So that's something that the Saints love to do in terms of disguising. That's a big part of Dennis Allen's gameplay and look for them to continue to do that to try to confuse Jalen Hurts and show him something that he has never seen before or you know things that he's not as comfortable seeing. Uh, Jalen hurts also only completed one pass when he was forced off of his base. So he had a seven step drop. And if he was able to hitch and throw right from the end of his drop, he completed those passes. If he had to extend the plays, get out, run, then he didn't complete only one. He only completed one of those passes. It of course was the big 32 yard touchdown, unfortunately for the Packers. But if you can force him off his base, he looks to struggle a little bit like that. And so if you can take away the early reads and then force him to progress through, which we already know that he has a reputation as a slow, a slow progressor through reads. And that's something that's very much going to benefit the Saints. Getting pressure on him throughout his career hasn't actually been super beneficial Uh, in in Oklahoma over the course of his career or or, sorry, in his last season, nine touchdowns to two interceptions when pressured, but he did only complete 54.4% of his passes. But when you look at him so far in the NFL, he's been pressured nine times on nine different dropbacks. On three of those, he's been sacked. On one of those, he threw an in interception and he's not throwing a touchdown. In fact, he's only completed one pass under pressure out of his five attempts, so only a 20% completion percentage. And again, that was a big 34-he-harder that he ended up completing. So he's able to rip off those big plays. But if you can get pressure on him, force him off of his base, force him from being able to just drop back, stop, hitch, and throw, then you're going to end up putting him in a little bit of duress and forcing him to make some bad choices. That's what you want to do as the New Orleans Saints taking advantage of a rookie's first ever start. So the big takeaway here is Jalen Hurts can't throw against pressure right now, and they need to be able to confuse him. And he has shown that he has a penchant for getting confused on pre-snap, post-snap looks and rotations. So now let's go ahead over to the Eagles defense. So the pass rush, they'll try to win with four. They don't do a lot of blitzing at all. That's good news for the Saints Uh, Look, they handle the blitz pretty well, but they definitely want to keep Taysom Hill clean. So if they don't have to deal with blitzers as a part of that, that is still good news for them. Still a very talented front four, as we continue to say, but no added pressure is a good thing. Uh, The Eagles defense tends to live and cover one man, but they're generally weak and easy to diagnose when they're there. You can tell you know, if there's going to be a safety that's covering the middle as a spy because he'll be deeper down in terms of his depth closer to the line of scrimmage than the Than the corners, they're able, you know, they'll stack a safety over a a nickel back if they're going to blitz that. They do a lot of things that are really predictable. So that should be helpful. And of course, Taysom Hill is very comfortable against man coverage. So they have spent the Eagles, at least through week 12, 44.7% of their time in cover one. That's good news for Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints. Now, cover three zone, Edge Gino Camilleri from the Locked On Eagles uh, brought up last, yesterday, in yesterday's episode, the crossover Thursday episode, Jim Swartz is going to want to mix in zone with those single high safety looks, so it's going to be more cover three looks. So basically, a lot of what he saw against the Falcons last week, he should see again against the Eagles going into this week. However, maybe more predictable in a way because of what those cover one sets tend to look like and where he's going to be able to expose those. So for Taysom Hill, it should be a pretty comfortable matchup for him. The biggest question is going to be, what does the pass rush look like? And is Darius Slay going to be playing on the outside? If he is and he's not able to get the ball to Michael Thomas, which Darius Slay has struggled, he struggled big time against Devontae Adams. I don't have any reason to expect that he won't struggle against Michael Thomas, but if they do a good job there, then somebody else is going to have to step up. And those tight ends, Adam Troutman. And Jared Cook, who's my guy on the offensive side that needs to rebound in this game, this is their opportunity to do so against a predictable defense. All right, y'all, we're not done yet. We've got our keys to victory coming up here in just a second, including why Alvin Kamara should have a big, big day up against this Philadelphia defense. We've got that coming up for you next year on Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all, before we wrap up today's episode, remember that this is a part of a full network of coverage. We've even got some national shows that can get you ready, including Peacock and Williamson. So make sure you check them out after you're done with this episode. It's NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. They're hosting Locked On's Peacock and Williamson NFL show every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Get your picks previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. So let's go ahead and wrap up today's episode, take a look at our three keys to victory. The overall thing that I want you to take away from this is that the Saints have every tool necessary to win this game. And no, this is not a trap game. It's hard to have a trap game when you have a backup quarterback starting. <laughs> you, you don't really get trap games there. And I know that they have a big opponent next week With the Kansas City Chiefs, but there's no way that the Saints are looking past this game. So they have every tool and they should be ready to go through and win this game. So let's start off with our first key to victory. Of course, it's gonna be the pass rush, but let me be very, very specific about where that pass rush is. And that's the interior offensive line, generating pressure along the interior offensive line. The big thing with that is gonna be the stunts that they're able to run with Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Davenport, as well as Sheldon Rankins and of course Cam Jordan, who can do that as well maybe even those NASCAR packages by having Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson play the bookends, but putting uh, Marcus Davenport in the interior and allowing him and Sheldon Rankins to run stunts in the interior, which have been very effective. Go after Nate Herbig. Go after this weakened interior offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you can get them off balance to the points where they start doubling in the interior, it gives you an opportunity to win some favorable one-on-ones on on the outside. Jordan Mailata, who's playing at the left tackle position, has already given up 21 pressures, and 5 sacks this season over 10 games. Just for reference, Teron Armstead, who plays the exact same position but is a better tackle, has given up only 10 pressures so far this season and 2 sacks. So you can take advantage of Jordan Maialata when you have a guy like Trey Hendrickson who's on an absolute tear so far this season. Neil Driscoll, struggling. Very young, right tackle playing over on the right side. He's going to be matched up with Cam Jordan. Take advantage of that and and taking up some of those duo blocks, those, those interior double teams, forcing them to commit the extra lineman to the interior is going to be very helpful in opening up some opportunities over on the edge. Our second key is going to be disguise on the defensive side. Like I mentioned, a lot of what you saw the Green Bay Packers do to Jalen Hurts during the game last week, once Jalen Hurts came into the game, was that they disguised. They showed one thing during pre-snap. They showed a whole new thing after pre-snap. So they did a lot of rotating safeties. They did a lot of buzz coverage. They did a lot of inverted coverage. Do all of that. Throw everything that you have out at uh, Jalen Hurts that you can execute soundly, especially right now with this team, this defense communicating as well as it has been with Malcolm Jenkins being on a tear here recently, both as a communicator, playmaker and player on the field and as a leader, of course, on the field. He's going to be hot. He's ready to go against this Atlanta Falcons team. He mentioned that he felt completely underappreciated in Philly. uh, this Atlanta Falcons team. I I always want to beat up on the Falcons. It's just that simple. The Philadelphia Eagles team, excuse me. He mentioned the other day in a press conference about how underappreciated he felt in Philly that it wasn't about the money, it was about the respect, and he didn't feel like he was getting that respect. That's why he took what was potentially less money to come back to New Orleans than he would have than he would have gotten staying in Philly. He was he's all about the respect, and he felt disrespected while he was in Philly. Now he's ready to go out there and disrespect Philly on the football field. He loves the city, but he's ready to go after the team. So give him opportunities to do that. Look for him and CJ Gardner Johnson to be guys that are a part of those disguise. Uh, those disguise looks that end up blitzing after Jalen Hurts and getting after Jalen Hurts. There were a lot of times to where the Packers would start with split safeties, sort of a cover two or cover four look, and then creep one of those safeties down just before the snap, and then they would either reverse those safeties or one of them would come flying off the edge to add some additional pressure to get after Jalen Hurts. Look for the Saints to be creative. Look for Dennis Allen to go back to his usual roots with you know sending off a, a safety off the edge on third downs, things like that, and some of those big plays. Are gonna help the Saints. And obviously, having some of those athletic guys like a CJ Gardner Johnson, Quan Alexander, Demario Davis on the defense, that's gonna help with containing uh, Jalen Hurts in the run game as well, in terms of him being able to scramble any design runs that might come his way. And finally, the third key, and I think the absolute most important, is to let Kamara cook. And don't just let him cook on the ground. Like, give him the ball. I don't care how you get him the ball, get him the ball. But throw the damn ball to him. I don't care if they have to put Drew Brees in for three plays just to throw Alvin Kamara the ball three times so he gets three catches. Let that happen. I don't care. Just get Alvin Kamara the ball because this matchup for him is absolutely ideal, especially in the passing game. The Philadelphia Eagles right now, thanks to our good friends over at Football Outsiders, 28th in the NFL in defending running backs, DVOA, against running backs in the passing game. They're horrific at defending these running backs. And Alvin Kamara is the best in the NFL when it comes to being a back who can create out of the backfield in the passing game. Throw him the ball. Do it. Do it. I don't care if it's Taysom. I don't care if it's Jameis. I don't care if it's Drew. I don't care if they put Trevor Simeon out there to do it. Get him the ball in the passing game. This is an absolute must. Alvin Kamara going up against the Philadelphia Eagles prototype of linebackers, which are basically little safeties. I want that all day throughout this game. The Philadelphia Eagles prototype of linebackers is not what you're accustomed to seeing here in New Orleans. They do not have those guys. They don't have downhill thumpers. They have Davion Taylor, who of course is on injured reserve, but that's their prototype their prototype is safeties. They want to put safeties at linebacker basically. So take advantage of that because ain't none of them tackling Alvin Kamara when he gets a full head of steam. Latavius Murray ended up on the injury report limited. This means give Alvin Kamara the ball, let Kamara cook in this game. And if it can happen from Taysom to AK and they can get the passing game involved between the two of them, even better. I'm tired of this oil and water stuff. AK is a humongous part of your offense particularly his ability as a receiver out the backfield, utilize it. Get him the ball in the passing game. AK should have a humongous game in this game. And if he does not, then that is an absolute missed opportunity for the New Orleans Saints going up against a defense that cannot handle him. Y'all got me fired up. I'm so fired up for this game. We're going to learn so much here. I know that we're talking about the coverages that Taysom Hill is going to see are going to be akin to what he has been seeing, but it's a whole different style. You have much more athletic linebackers that are better in coverage. They're not great tacklers. That's why I say get Alvin Kamara the ball. But you're going to learn so much about him. It's unfamiliar territory. It's an unfamiliar opponent. Everything about this is what you had hoped that you would learn about Taysom Hill in the uh, the Week 12 game against the Denver Broncos that you didn't get an opportunity to learn. This win is huge for the Saints. It locks up the NFC South. If they get there, that would mean that the that the Bucks could win out, but do no better than in terms of their regular season record, tying the Saints. And the Saints own that tiebreaker because they swept them. So that's a huge win for the Saints. It's also their tenth win in a row. If they can get it, they would be eleven and two at this point in the season, which is phenomenal. And you would then be four and zero without Drew Brees, and getting Drew Brees back after your three game road trip, which was also supposed to be one of the toughest parts of this schedule. Then they have clear heads, clear minds going in against the uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs next week on the twentieth. So this is a big tone setting game for the Saints in terms of what they want this team to be able to do. Throughout the rest of this season, they get this win. They lock up the South. But as we always know, the South is not enough. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for today's episode. I appreciate y'all, as always, for coming through. Enjoy the game this weekend. I'll be back on Monday, either Victory Monday or a very, very, very sad boy Monday if the Saints drop this game. But like I said, they have all the tools necessary to get it done. We talked about the keys. We'll revisit them on Monday as well as recap the game and get you all the biggest news that you need out of Sunday's matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. I appreciate y'all, as always, for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support. If you are helped me grow this family, it's been Locked on Saints, and trust you that nation, I'll holla at you.